0: Hey, haha! Ha, we are here! Made it! Ha, ha. <laughs> Welcome to the Patrick Podcast. I'm Patrick Chappelle. Thanks for listening. Today we're gonna be talking to Wes Hartline. Wes and I have been longtime friends, ex-roommates. We've done many of conversations in the past for different groups of people. And I was like, fun to just sit. And chat with a good friend, and these first few episodes will be folks that um, I know well, and so I'm excited to share them with you all. Uh, starting here with Wes, uh, we talk about Wes's background, family, work, politics, a little bit of culture. We we kind of go all over the place. I think you're really gonna enjoy this episode today. So. I can't wait to get to it. Let me rush through these announcements so you can get right to the content. As far as announcements go for this week, we have an Instagram page, The Patrick Podcast. So go and follow that. Share that on your story. Loved the support. Some of you have already done this. So keep it up. Love it. Thank you so much for the support already. Um, If you're not already following us, on itunes or spotify or the different podcasting apps that are available to you we're trying to get out there to all of them i know we're on a few of them just look me up patrick chappelle and the patrick podcast you will hopefully find it and that'll be awesome and please rate it like it star it share it add a comment that helps us get up the ranks And get to more listeners I think that's all I have Ben is back here hey, On the mic in the studio Uh, Ben you got anything to share before we Dive into this episode with Wes Heartline
1: Yeah I just found out that A strawberry is not an actual berry What? But a banana is No it's not So by definition (sighs) A berry is a fleshy fruit Oh no! And the word fleshy made it on an episode of Patrick the podcast. Uh, this is episode uh, one. It's a fleshy fruit produced from a single seed. What? I is that online? Yeah, yeah.
0: That is. It's heartbreaking. I know, but this that's is what weird. I have for today. This is weird. Okay, welcome to the show. Let's get to West Heartline. Yeah. Wes. That's my name. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So uh, I guess the first launching into this thing is who, who are you? Like, what's your story? What's your background?
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, my name is Wes Hartline. Uh, Patrick knows me as a former roommate. That's right. Longtime friend. Um, I, I can't rem- I actually yeah. can't remember how we met. I was just thinking, how did we meet? Even it uh, like the the thing that sticks out to me personally is one of my longtime friends, David Newsom. Yes, was my post college. I went to uh, college in Henderson, Tennessee, at a private Christian school. Um, he was my sort of entree back into Nashville friend groups. Um, he had been to ACU in Abilene and then transferred to Lipscomb. That's right. And so he was at he was at Lipscomb for his, I guess at that point would have been his senior year. Yeah. We reconnected and a lot of his friends, and I think he actually at the time lived at the Caldwell House, the Caldwell Mansion. Oh. I think that's probably how...
0: I think that's it. I think that's it. I think
2: that's it. Because the majority of my friends in Nashville now, yeah. especially those related to Lipscomb, were all related to the Caldwell House oh, yeah. in some form or fashion. And
0: that house was... That was like a center of, mm-hmm. of socializing, of community, like that. That place had some magic in it. It was a different. It was a different Nashville as
2: well. Oh, so two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Nashville, you could have a five bedroom home in Green Hills that you rented right. to college kids right. for fifteen hundred bucks a month. Oh, easy. and nobody cared because today that won't be happening. If no. anything, that house is being bought and tall and skinnies are being put (laughs) in its place, but so, so that's, I think that's how we met was through the Caldwell house. House. um, My my story is pretty simple. I was um, born in Atlanta, Georgia. My, uh, my parents are still married. They've been married for, I think it's 40 years this December. Um, That is a long time. It's a long time. I've got an older sister and a younger (sighs) brother. We're all married. We all have children. Um, So we moved to Nashville when I think I was maybe three or four or five, somewhere in there. My brother I had either just been born or was maybe around a year old. So uh, we we lived all over Nashville. We moved quite a bit. My dad has done a lot of different things, um, from managing physician office practices to building custom cabinets to all kinds of different things. He's uh, a renaissance man. If you yeah, know. he probably wouldn't use that
1: phrase, but uh,
2: um, so yeah. So uh, I was homeschooled for a pretty good chunk of my uh, upbringing. Um, went to a private Christian college for my undergrad. I got a degree in business and then moved back to Nashville and uh, ended up completing an MBA at Lipscomb. Right. Um, I think I finished that in 2009.
0: So so wait, so but with homeschooling, mm-hmm. I wanna. so was your parents deciding to do homeschooling? Do you think it's the same reasons that people now do homeschooling? Like now people are like, the school system's a mess. I need to, I could do this better than them. Or was it a, something else that was happening that led your family to do homeschooling? So I'm not going to comment on why people would choose to do it
2: today. Because <laughs> I don't know their sure, reasons. Sure, my, so my sure. There's a variety of reasons. My Absolutely. sister has four Absolutely. children. She homeschools each of them. Uh, her reasons are probably different from the reasons that my parents had. So when we began homeschooling, my sister just completed... Um, I think her fifth grade year at a private Christian school in Nashville did not go well. And then I was getting ready to go into my fourth grade year. And uh, it was actually, it's actually an interesting story because my dad's best man in his wedding and then some other family friends of ours had all kind of been spending time together during the summer between us leaving public and private schools and beginning homeschool. And we discovered that all these different families had all chosen independently to start homeschooling their children. What So you like know the Holland family. Oh yeah. They, I mean, our parents and, and their parents are very close friends and they never talked about it. And it wasn't until that summer (laughs) when we were talking about something and, you know, the moms kind of nudged one another as like, wait, are you guys thinking about homeschooling? Yeah. So are we. And so we ended up having a lot of community sort of built in existing friendships that did that. I think the reason that we homeschooled mostly was the schools we were zoned for uh were not wonderful it had very little to do with the overall system but more about where you we were living yeah yes and okay. uh, at the time we were over again this is very very old nashville very old nashville talking yes. 90 91 potentially yeah oh well, yeah that um, sounds right maybe maybe 93 it's it's way back there we were living in the Antioch area which That's is not diff- oh, it's yeah. a different different part of town today oh, absolutely. I'm not making any judgments or no, any no, no, commentary no, no, no. about it. It's just different, it's, it's different a very now. different side yeah. of town. Absolutely. Uh, when we lived over there um, we had a, a wonderful uh, South Korean family across the street. I think they were South Korean. A black family next door, an elderly widow next door to us. Like it was a very heterogeneous community in terms right. of. There were obviously like there's going to be more white families there in the late 80s, early 90s, but Sure it was a very affordable area of town and so um but where i think where we were zoned for middle school was just not a wonderful uh situation and mm-hmm. so my parents felt it would be a better fit for our family to do schooling from home um, and you know i don't i don't know what reasons people would would say today i know i i know some families choose for special needs reasons or for Disciplinary yeah, there's reasons. A s- there's a lot
0: of different lists things. of reasons. Yeah. So, so okay. Let's fast forward now. Since we're talking about family, uh, you know, you're married now, mm-hmm. and that that journey is an interesting journey because you know siblings are married mm-hmm. and they found spouses, but it was. I mean, you're. I guess the middle. Are you the mm-hmm. middle, middle child? child? Yeah. And so you. I mean, you've been married for now. It's been, uh, almost three and a half years in January, three and a half yeah. years.
2: This is an October, 2018 podcast, right. so a little over three years. Yeah. 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 It's uh, my, my sister, uh, actually married, uh, the son of my dad's best man in his wedding. Right. And we have known them for forever. Uh, my brother met his wife in her first year at Lipscomb university. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think my brother got married in the winter of 2011. Yep. I didn't even meet my January wife. 14th, my birthday.
0: Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'll never forget his. It was a beautiful his, wedding. It was it very was. cold. It was very um, cold. <laughs> uh,
2: at Woodmont. <laughs> at Woodmont. And then they had the reception. I no, at, the wedding was well, at Union, Union Station, Station. And yeah. then the reception was at that's Woodmont right, Hills. That's, that's right, right. That's right. Um, my sister got married at Woodmont as well. Um, but no, so, so my brother at in 2010 when he proposed to his uh, now wife he was deeply concerned that I was going to be somehow upset with him or right. frustrated that he had he sort had, of jumped the gun in terms of bypassing his older brother. And I was, I made it very clear that was not upset. <laughs> couldn't be more happy for him. And they're a great couple and they have uh, now three wonderful uh, children. So, um, but yeah, for me, it took longer. I think the, the path from being homeschooled, which automatically sort of reduces the scope of available girls. Right. Was an interesting like wrinkle yep. in like high school relationships. Yep. Uh then going to a relatively small college in West Tennessee in a town. I mean, gosh, Henderson, Tennessee might be fifteen, twenty thousand people. Oh, oh no. With the college there. Yeah. So I mean it's not like it's a big <laughs> no. a big town. Um yeah, I, I made it out of a four year private Christian school without a uh uh, and having not delivered an MRS degree to someone, which is a
0: merit badge in and of itself, <laughs> I,
2: I look back and I think uh, I don't know how many of my friends got that got married in college that are still married. I would I would like not be shocked if the number was like thirty to fifty percent of them had ended in divorce already. Yeah, um, and the number of them that had ended in divorce within one or two years being out of school, yeah. would be much much higher than people would generally think. And I don't know. I, I watched some of that and was a little bit. Um, you know, these are 20, 21 year old kids that are making a lifetime, what is meant to be a lifetime commitment, at least in my view. Um, and I think it's, I think you and I have had this conversation many times where I don't really think we know really who we are until past 25, 26, 27, (laughs) when you've had some time to make (laughs) some mistakes without terrible consequences, Yeah. but also, you know, we're still figuring a lot of things out about ourselves. Twenty two, right. twenty three. What kind of what kind of character do I want to have? What kind of friends do I want to make? Right. Like, who do I want to be? Who do I want to keep in my life and try to remove from my life? Oh yeah. I can't imagine making that decision at twenty, then going through this massive sort of learning experience of getting out of college, starting a first job. Where are we? Go- where am I going to live? How, like I've had this conversation a few times where the notion of a job change as a single person is, Oh, I can't begin to understand like the, the anxiety that creeps in even saying that (laughs) for having a house and a wife and a child and 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 I'm blessed to be in a city where my family lives and my my wife has some family that lives here. Um, But to be a single person and to up and go is one thing, but to be 23 married and never having worked a day in your life. Yes. And now you're, you're throwing a lot of things yeah. into uh, into the mix. So you you uh, you mentioned family. Yeah, my wife and I got married in the summer of uh, 2015. We met on a blind date, and our first date was Valentine's weekend of 2014. Are you?
0: S- I don't think I knew that. Set
2: up by mutual friends, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. It's almost embarrassing in hindsight because I wasn't thinking about what time of year it was. We had uh, we shared phone numbers and began texting and speaking back and forth by phone and. I asked if she wanted to go to dinner on a Saturday night. And it was the night after Valentine's Day. That is amazing. So everywhere's booked. I can't get anything. <laughs> we get a reservation at Sunset Grill, RIP. Oh my goodness. At like 9.30 on a Saturday night. And she's like, she's so gracious and she goes. Um, and it ended up going really well. And we, we got engaged that December, married the following July. We found out we were expecting the following July around the time of our first anniversary. Wow. Had a baby in winter of 2017. We have another baby coming this next winter, uh, winter 2019. So, I mean, it's things, things moved very quickly for us. We yeah. bought a house in our first year. So, I went from being single and I mean, technically single <laughs> in February of 2014 to married with two kids in February of 2019. Isn't that wild? And with a house. And like, oh, you know, it's it just things happen really quickly. So, in terms of um, the way that progressed, I waited until I was 30. Th- oh man, so we got married in Yeah. 15. So I was 32 when we got married. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like th- that's actually not that it's late in life. No, it's not. But historically it is and and, and our parents and friends that we know they got married at 22, Oh yeah, and based in the
0: circles and the community that you're a part of. Yeah. You know, waiting till your 30s well, is Well, my sister got married yeah. at 20,
2: my brother got married at 24, I think something like that. Yeah. Like my mother was married at 20. My dad was 23, I think when they got married. So, right. I mean, you know, I was, I, the way I like to give it to my sister, my mom is I didn't get married until both of you were finished having your children. Like <laughs> I didn't even start that right. work right. until you were done. You were done. You had already been married. Yeah. You had already done a lot of these things. By the time you had had your last child, I was still single. Wow. And so getting started later, I think has actually been a,
0: a, a plus for me and my wife. Yeah. Um, Well, and that's that's what I've told people is that it's, it's, there is no perfect path to this thing. You just kind of have to like, it's, it's, it's a big journey. And there's many different paths to the end Mm -hmm. of this journey. And some get married at 19 and 20. And it works. And some do that and it doesn't work and right. some wait till they're in their mid thirties and it works and some wait and it doesn't work mm-hmm. like there, like you can't there is no recipe for perfection mm-hmm. when it comes to like marriage and children or being single or being married like there's sure. pros and cons and complications and heavy and lightness with all of it. That's what I, I mean. Yeah, I
2: think uh, one of the things I've I had a conversation recently with a friend. And we were talking about this, the notion of you know, want to do X by certain. That's how I'll know I'm I'm moving my life forward. Right. And it's like well, that it's great to have ah uh, aspiration mm-hmm. and aspiration. You probably ought to have like three or four because um, if someone is basing success in in a general sense on. Well, once I've achieved X, I right, know. Right. Well, right. once you get there, it will not have the same shine that it had on it when you had the notion. Oh, no. no. And no, no. and now you'll sort of kind of feel lost in a sense again. Um, you know, for for me, yeah, if you had asked me at eighteen, where do you think you'll be at twenty five, I probably would have said, Well, I'll be married. Right. Hopefully, hopefully no kids yet, want to travel a little bit. <laughs> but in hindsight, it's like that just wasn't the plan. Mm-mm. I think what What has made me very gracious in hindsight is having the ability to kind of take a step back and say, man, this person is very great. I like spending time with them. I am either not ready or they are not ready or we are not ready. And being able to sort of course correct and delay things that you really want to look for something that is more correct for you. Um, I I agree that I don't think there's any kind of perfect situation, but I do think it's important to take stock in where am I now? How have I gotten here? Are the things that I've done preparing me to meet the challenges that this will inevitably bring? You know, right. um, it's, it's not enough to say we've had, we've had good fights when we were dating and engaged. I have full confidence we're going to manage marriage well. Well, okay, that's great. But go into it with open eyes. Right. Absolutely. You're going to have disagreements about things that you didn't necessarily even comprehend you would, how you respond to that is a lot of like your experience. absolutely And if you're 22 and you haven't had much experience in that, or if you're 35 and you have had a lot of experience, hopefully you're able to say I was wrong faster Mm -hmm. or open your mouth and be honest quicker as opposed to holding things in and and building grudges. So I don't know. Yeah, I I like that. So,
0: okay. So let's talk about work. Okay, so uh, you know you've mentioned you went to undergrad, then you came to the school here in Nashville and got your master's, and it seems like that you followed you know a, a path the the you did the things that you're supposed to do,, mm-hmm. and you graduate with your master's degree, and it's
2: yeah. So this may be my favorite personal story to tell of all time. So I did. I I started at a college in West Tennessee called Freed Hardeman. It's about I want to say it's two thousand students with the graduate programs. So it's a small college and a couple uh, animals to to boot. They're, they're, <laughs> they're definitely animals. Um, but no, I mean it's a, yeah, yeah, a, a yeah, yeah, yeah. when I say pride lovely school. school. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a great place. My dad went there. My sister went there. Um, I think my dad was in like in their first four year graduating class so he when he started it was just a two-year college oh my by the time he finished it had turned into a a four-year school Uh. um but it's you know it's around two hours or so from nashville i went in thinking i wanted to be a, a doctor um made a quick change after didn't do so hot in some of those core classes like chemistry you know you gotta you gotta have that stuff nailed down um so i switched to business and had a really great experience at freed um came back to nashville worked for a couple of years started my mba at Lipscomb. Um, had at the time I, I, I did that, I had aspirations of going to law school. So I actually took the LSAT twice and I think I made either the same score or the scores were separated by one point, which is depending on where you are on the higher low end, I was right in the middle, which is not great. Um, <laughs> right it right, did not, right. it did not necessitate many offers for free college, uh, free law school. So I didn't do that. Um, wow. but yeah, so when I was in the middle of my uh, graduate studies at Lipscomb, I was working at a startup company in Brentwood, Tennessee that did healthcare. We um would install clinics basically, like urgent care clinics. Uh-huh. It was sort of the beginning of that whole instead of going to your primary care doctor, just hop into the local pharmacy and they'll they'll take care of you or whatever. All right. Um I needed to take as a part of my focus, which was um the Dr. Lowry school around oh, conflict management. Conflict management. Yeah. I think at the time it was like dispute resolution, but conflict management, it's all the same. All the same. They, they allowed me to sort of choose my own adventure in terms of focus. And they let me do a focus around conflict management because I was thinking about going to law school. Yeah. Um, part of the challenge was they had Friday and Saturday classes where you had to be in class all day. day. So I needed the days away from, from my job as a financial analyst and my boss wouldn't give me the days. Um, I offered to work longer hours to sort of offset the days I would need to be gone. And it was, no, we really need you to be in the office on these days. Wow. Um, And I, I went home on a Friday before the classes started and prayed on it, called some family friends and said, I need, I'd I'd love some advice around what I should do here. I've got this, I'm in the middle of this program and I'm in this job that I think is really great. It seems as though I cannot do both things. Right. And most of the advice I got, and these are men and women that I respect deeply, was basically you shouldn't put off the thing that you know, you really want to have for your future for a current situation. So you should not keep a job in lieu of obtaining a master's degree. And I I think the advice was correct. So I walked in on a Monday morning, turned in my notice and said, I, you know, I'm going to have to resign this job. Wow. Uh, I want to say it was two or three days later in the fall of 2008 that the stock market just absolutely tanked. And I had turned in my notice <laughs> the week that, like, the great financial <laughs> crisis started. That and is... And woke up the next day being like, I, I told them I wasn't going to come back to, to work anymore. And they accepted my resignation. And then at the, the time... Not my direct boss, but the CFO totally understood. He was very gracious oh, yeah. and said, "You know, if I were in your position, I would be doing the same thing. This is an important, uh, an important um, pursuit. You need to go pursue it." Um, so i I'm, I wake up now. I've turned in my notice. I'm going to graduate school, which is not free <laughs> for me, and uh, so I'm racking up debt, and I've quit my job. <laughs> And there's no jobs anywhere <laughs> Yo, to be had. Great move. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it actually ended up being the thing where I said, in, in my mind, I'd imagine there was only two options. I either quit the job or I quit the program. Right. And what actually ended up happening was a third option presented itself in the in the form of our COO who said, well, if they don't want you and they won't give you those days, I will come work for me on the operation side. So I went into marketing at that point and was able to keep working there up until we got purchased uh, in the spring of 2010 and it ended up being a a wonderful sort of happenstance of wow. kind of going with your gut and doing the thing that you really think you believe in. And I mean, I'm, I don't know how many times I could quit a job and another department <laughs> would swoop in and save me from my own uh, right. foolishness potentially. But that's what happened in that respect. Wow. So yeah, it was a, it was a very wild, um, like five or six months. I ended up having my tonsils out that summer as well. Like it was just, it was bad. Um, that I don't is, think we lived together at that point. No, we I don't didn't live together. That was a couple then. of years later. But yeah.
0: So so you go through the program mm-hmm. and you graduate.
2: Graduate. So I graduated in two thousand nine. Right. Stay I'm at at the time I'm still with the company that I was with, uh that I quit the job. Um go through the program in the in the fall of two thousand nine, my dad uh starts phone calls and text messages and mm-hmm. hey, what do you think about what's going on in the country right now in terms of politics? And, you know, i I try to be news savvy. Maybe that's not the right phrase, but just, I try to keep you try up try to be I try to be aware of yeah. what's, what's happening. I yeah. uh, have like my, my thumb on a pulse or I guess not a thumb, a finger on the pulse right. of what's happening in the country, not just in the country, but around the world. Right. So um, he decides he's going to run for Congress in in the Nashville area um, and in, in a Republican primary so during this time, I'm still employed. I'm helping at night, and I'm you know trying to help get websites built and all this kind of stuff. And we are both total amateurs at this. <laughs> we could not have made more mistakes than we did, and we learned quite a bit. But um, during that time, the company that I was working for got purchased by a major grocery store chain in America. Right. And as a part, as this is another great work story, <laughs> as a part of my job as a financial analyst at this company, We were tasked with creating a structure for how, in the event of a sale, the purchaser could reduce their general administrative expense in the company. So assuming somebody big buys us, there's going to be some redundancy. Oh, yeah. We don't need three chief medical officers. We need one. one. Well, I put together a plan that said, well, they're going to have an enormous market. Whoever buys us is going to have an enormous marketing department. Our marketing department's gone. We get rid of all these little middle manager roles. We don't need them. Then I moved into one of those jobs after I resigned my job. So the plan that I put together to help save like one to one and a half million dollars ultimately cost me my job (laughs) after we sold because I it was a it was a great plan and I you did the job too good I did yeah I was I I tried too hard I cared too much Um, so as a part of that job I mean I remember going into my exit interview. And the the two or three people in the room, like joking that it wasn't lost on them how we had come to this moment that I had built this plan that and I that's quit nice the job them. I was that's at. Nice oh of no, we, are, we I ran into him at Frothy Monkey the other day. It's great. Um, but in that moment, so this is April, I think it might have been April Fool's Day too. No lie. Um, you gotta be kidding! I'm me. I'm not. So this is so that, but it was actually sort of this wonderful break where I'd already sort of committed to trying to help my dad. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but right. I was trying to help. Um, all the entire time, this stuff at my like actual paying my bills job is happening. The, the campaign that my dad is, is forming is making some headway. He's giving some speeches and drawing some Mm -hmm, interest and mm -hmm. raising a little bit of money, which in Nashville for a Republican to do is not necessarily something you would expect. Right. And of course this is all. So spring of 2010, it's the affordable care act legislation. We're in a new administration with president Obama. Um, a lot of a lot of angry people.
0: So, um, I'm not familiar with such people. We can talk about that.
2: So, um, yeah. So, go to work for the campaign for a few months. We ended right. up coming in second in the primary um, to another family who, ironically, homeschooled their kids. And uh, there were, I think, in our primary, there were 11 people, which was just nuts and kind of, you know, it's whatever. That's so, whole, yeah, that's, it was a whole other thing. And I had yeah. a lot of great friends around me that were very supportive during that time. So I did go uh, sort of volunteering and doing other work mm-hmm, with the campaign mm-hmm. as a function of that work. After I, after the campaign sort of came to a close the day of election day, the primary, because we didn't win, like there's nowhere else to go. So All we right. shut everything down. Um, I start looking for a new work and I'd had, you know, a period of months where I'd met a lot of people and had, had some great opportunities to introduce myself to new right. spheres of influence, Absolutely. which is whatever that looks like. Right. Um, but it was a, uh, a longtime family friend that brought me into their company uh, called Advent. They do brand marketing and design for all kinds of different groups, and they've exploded in the last oh, yeah. uh, five or six years. I take no credit. They're, it's, <laughs> got, they're, they're doing great work there. Right. Um, but, so kind of to go about, talk about work. So I finished undergrad at Freed Business School. Came back, worked at a family jewelry store. So we'll call that retail. Yep. Went to work at a bank. Yep. On the commercial side, I mean, sorry, on the consumer side. So that means dealing with everyday, you know, John Does and their their overdraft fees and ordering new checks all the way up to uh, personal loans and things like that. So right. I did that for about a year. Went back to the jewelry store. Did some healthcare consulting for a company. Then went to work for this uh, medical clinics company. Right. Then go to work in politics. Then go to work in marketing right. for a marketing firm. Right. So in this from two thousand five. When I graduated college to twenty ten wow I think I think I changed jobs on average every like eight or nine months that's right, which is resume disaster for what it's worth <laughs> um but it i mean it's it's kind of funny because even even in the last few years I'll get emails from recruiters who are like, "I just want to talk to you yeah your resume your resume is, is all wild. over the place, yeah. and it's how like well I'm happy to talk to you about it right and how and like the stories that the ways the path like you've the, yeah. the phrase you've used the path has not been traditional in any sense not at all but it's very connected in a in a different way in that things I did in each of those particular roles sort of prepared me for the next thing in, yeah. a, in a way that I did not expect
0: so that's been that was an interesting yeah thing. and what's interesting too is that all those jobs in some ways have a connection to um, relationships right mm-hmm. relationships matter. Who you connect with matters. Um, but then I guess an, a larger question, maybe that connects some of this, is how, for some, that kind of zigzagging up and down would be stressful mm-hmm. and would send them tail spinning into some really dark and harmful places. But you seem to like stay like grounded and Mm. you know and I mean or or is that not the case like I I
2: think I think I would say so I mean like I'm really doing life story stuff now yeah so come back to Nashville post undergrad move into a condo in Green Hills that my aunt and uncle own 18 months later it burns to the ground yeah so I've got a totally and didn't have Renters Insurance. Uh, if the, if there were any... shout out to Renters Insurance. If, if, they, if there were uh, if there were any uh, opening for uh, podcast sponsors like State Farm or somebody should hop in here. So don't don't go without Renters Insurance. It's super cheap and you, this is all just a renter Insurance podcast. It, that's all it is. Um, but it didn't have that, and so uh, a, another mutual friend of ours was living with me at the time, and we basically right. lost everything, and uh, so. I mean, had to start completely over. Right. And I think at the time I, mean, I was like at the, the night that happened, uh, he had a friend staying. My little brother was sleeping on the couch downstairs cause he was going commuting to, to college at the time. Nobody was, was killed in this. Like, I mean, I think the fire burned down like 19 condos or something. Right. Nobody died. Everyone was able to get out. Right. Um, but it was one of those moments where, whoa, like that, that'll kind of shake you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've been fired from jobs and those are. That's a stressful moment. It's a very stressful realization that this thing that you have been committed to, or maybe not so committed to, but dependent on uh-huh. financially, is gone now. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that I would say like there's definitely been some darkness losing a political campaign. Um, it's like a fairly like popular phrase. Like I hate, I hate losing more than I like winning. Like. I hated losing a political campaign <laughs> way more than I would have enjoyed the winning because right. the winning is just a continuation. Oh yeah, but the like the thing coming to a close at a moment is really tough, and um, I don't know that I would say that I've handled all those with grace or um, without any stress. Um, I think some of that comes from it's kind of like maybe it's um, just values. So right. I can sit around and be upset and mope and so on or um, there's there's not a lot of good that comes out of that hmm. the thing I need to do is to like I'm, it was such a trope like get back up on the horse like no like update that resume go have some coffees and figure out what's going on um, so I think those moments of my life where things maybe didn't go well, right. if you, if people around me didn't feel like I was stressed or uh, all that bothered, it just means I was hiding it really well, or I just had a skill set to mm. sort of like manage myself through that without
0: tailspinning. Wow. So, yeah. So okay, so let's. I want to transition a little bit. Sure. And I want to talk about because you've kind of we've opened up this door of, you know, you worked in politics, you. um, you're conservative? I am, which is wonderful. <laughs> I agree, it is wonderful. But what's interesting is that you are con- are conservative, but I would dare say most of your friends or or at least a good chunk of your friends, it's definitely a majority, would not say and I'm not even saying that they would say that they are Democrat or l- like progressive liberal, but they would definitely say they are not, yeah, conservative, yeah. right? Like, so how is it for you? You know, it, for those listeners out there that you that may not know, I am a black man, uh, <laughs> and so as a black guy, I'm often, and especially in the circles that I have run in, I am the only. Black guy, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I end up representing all of blackness, which is the whole that is a lot of blackness to, to, uh, especially to represent 10 years ago. It was a different space and time than it is right
2: today. Absolutely, we we need you, Patrick, to speak for the entire black experience
0: going back 600 years. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, uh, can you do it in five minutes? Exactly. Yeah, so while it's very different, obviously, in. In some tangible ways, but you are often the other, the, um, dare we say, the token conservative friend for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And especially in light of all that is happening. This is 2018 right mm-hmm. now. Let's talk about that. Let's so I'm I definitely
2: want to get into what you're saying here. Let's so talk yeah. about what's happening. The 2016 election followed the first black American president. Right. And it was maybe the most un, ah, man, it's hard, it's hard to find the right adjective to describe what those final months of 2016 were for, for not, not America,
0: like what it means to be a human being. Right. Well, here's the funny thing. I just thought about this. When Barack Obama became president. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it was equally jarring to the country, in not the same ways, mm-hmm. but it was jarring because some people could not believe that it actually happened—that a person of color mm-hmm. became president. Both good and bad, right? That's what people I'm saying. Both good the and bad. Same action, the same event. Right. Totally
2: different. Not believing it. Not could be believing possible, this is possible. But one of those is with such hope. And- right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And the same kind of jarring confused state like experience happened again again yeah when, 8 years later when president trump becomes mm-hmm. elected like it is very fascinating like prior to those two men becoming president the results were not as jarring i don't think like it wasn't as jarring that Bill Clinton won, or jarring that George W. Bush won. For it, sure, it was for some. I'm sure it yeah, was for some people. It was, but I mean, it wasn't generally speaking. Generally speaking, yeah. but it wasn't. I don't think the the weight that I think I think you actually failure? hit on it right there. Yeah. yeah. So the weight
2: of the um whether you want to call it you, you mentioned like speaking for all black people as often is the one black friend in a group of a lot of white people. Right. And just for people who are listening, we live in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. I, I like to, I, Tennessee is a red state. Generally speaking, Nashville is a very blue yeah. area. Very blue. So I would be a, uh, you know, <laughs> the red needle and the blue haystack in, in a sense. Um, right. So, right. And just, just my, 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 group of people, they're generally going to be more democratic in the same way for Patrick. Nashville is a very heterogeneous city, mm-hmm. but it's it's still sixty percent white. It has oh, to, yeah. I mean, I would think it has to be. Yeah, um, we have great um, immigrant populations here, absolutely. But, but where we're sitting right now, this is probably ninety to ninety five percent white neighborhood. Absolutely. There's nothing that you can say or do that changes those kinds of things. Um, but for Patrick's experience working in the churches of Christ and in the South. Generally speaking, he's going to be around a lot of white people. That's right. I'm not around a lot of black people, but I am around Patrick. Right. Um, For, for, so t- for me to be the, the, oh, I think I like the only, like you're the only conservative really. What's that like? I actually um, am a big fan of just shutting down the echo chamber completely. I want to hear from people of all walks of life with all kinds of beliefs and walk through um, the issues of the day. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that is really important right now is, um, the face to face conversations, the, uh, or it could be by phone or whatever conversations had in good faith that, um, are meant to both sort of teach someone a little, a little something and try to learn a little something. Yeah. I think there's nothing wrong with disagreeing on the, the issues, um, you know i think i think about friends of ours that we share uh and conversations i've had with them about whether it was about president obama or president trump or all kinds of different di- issues that you know, literally especially with the news cycle we have today <laughs> i don't remember what we talked about a week ago in right. terms of like what was the big news story yeah. Yeah. um and that's been it's been the case like every week for the last two or three years yeah that said i, I think it's important to hear what people who disagree with you politically have to say about a thing and to maybe try to find some common ground in terms of well, you your people believe this thing. Well, that's not necessarily like that's that may be true, but that may not be me. Right. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. And right. so I I take a lot of joy in sitting down with friends, family, whoever it might be, I mean, it can be complete strangers right. and talking through what it means for me to be, you know, conservative or republican, whatever that you know those Those words are all like wrought with a little bit of um I don't know just like <laughs> there's just some weight to them today that there wasn't uh right. always um, so yeah i think I think being that friend it actually is kind of great for me. I get to hear from a lot of people, what do you think you know I'll get text messages around elections, oh, what I'm do you sure. think? I'm I'm getting ready to go vote. You know what I believe, but I haven't done a lot of work. Who would you vote for if you were me? Well, here I'll tell you what I think. Right. Um, of course, if it were me, I would tell you to vote for these people. But if I'm if I'm trying to help you come to a decision, here's what I think uh, you should do. I like being that person. I think uh, one, it, it it offers me a sense of people kind of care what I have to say about things, and it's not thousands. It might be five or ten people, but I like being a, a, a sort of a a, a trampoline they can bounce ideas off of right. and, you know, what do you think about this and um so i i i, I appreciate being a part of that conversation oh. it can be very challenging oh i'm as, sure it can be um as a <laughs> as a white male married father <laughs> of daughter one and a half yes. number two's coming in february um you know it's very easy for me to get caught up in um things that Are only relevant to me and very easy to dismiss things that really don't I have any bearing on my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the challenge is to sort of shut off the self thing every now and then Mm -hmm. and look at selflessly what's going on in the world. What are some things that I think we could do that still fit within my worldview, my my political worldview, that would be good for everyone? And I think there's a lot of that out there, but it's definitely it's definitely a challenge being in Nashville, being not like necessarily moderately Republican, but like kind of conservative and right. um, more more in the vein of the Ted Cruz or the right. you know I don't know like the, like that's a person people are gonna like probably like roll their eyes at. But in ter- like I'm a National Review person. If you don't know what that is, it's a it's a very conservative yeah, that's publication. Right. That's right. Um, and I love to read what they say because there's a lot of. Agreement there, but yeah. I also love to read The Atlantic. I also love to read the New York Times, and uh, right. I subscribe to Oxford American, which is like the least conservative <laughs> thing I could do. But I want—I really do, genuinely want to hear and I think other that's sides. Important. That's
0: important to hear what what people who think differently than you, what they are, how they are viewing the world. Yeah, and I don't think we have enough of that. And so I agree. Um, that's yeah. And I mean and, and and I could imagine that it'd be so much easier just to have friends who, you know, can you know, agreed with everything that you agreed with and you know, it was just like you said, the echo cha- the echo chamber.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Oh, can, I, can I offer some context real quick? Um I just looked this up. According to census.gov. Yeah. Um as of July first, twenty seventeen, Tennessee is actually seventy six or seventy eight point six Caucasian. Wow. Wow.
2: <laughs> so and that includes Memphis, which right. is majority yeah. black, oh, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Memphis yeah. is
1: majority black. So I we have so. a seventy nine percent Caucasian state. Yeah. For yeah. those listening that aren't from Tennessee.
2: Can you can you look up Davidson County if that's possible? I would love because I think Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, I wanna say Nashville's known for having one of the largest Kurdish populations yeah, that's in, the, what, that's, in the world that's outside That's what I've of heard out, outside of, yeah, outside um, of Kurd- Kurdistan. And then, I mean, you know, uh, we have friends that teach in public schools. That's so right. Like Metro Nashville Public Schools, I want to say, like it's like almost 200 languages are spoken within that right. school. Nashville's not 800,000 people. It might not be 700,000 people. Right. But we got a lot of people from a lot of places here. Right. Um, yeah. So back, back to and what also, you were saying. And th-
0: also, that was... Ben, who is the producer? Yeah, that yeah. helps produce this thing. Yes,
1: I am. I am he. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just I looked at Davidson County, and it looks like sixty-five point two percent Caucasian. Okay, so that's uh, yeah,
2: fourteen no, fourteen points lower. Is that right?
1: Seventy-nine. Yes. Yeah. So
2: I mean, that's and that is probably mostly an immigrant. Like immigrants are making that replacement because I don't know that. Oh yeah. If I don't know that uh, African-Americans are making up 35% of Davidson County.
0: It's. Yeah. I think that, I think you're right about that. So 27.9.
1: Right uh, right. Oh,
2: wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a big number. So, <laughs> so Nashville's a, it's a very diverse city, but it definitely has its pockets of, uh, uh, yeah. everybody looks pretty much the same. So, um, no, I think, so you mentioned yeah. a moment ago, um, tr- like actively choosing not to, 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 participate in the echo chamber or um, it's, which is kind of funny because you know, we could turn the conversation around and for you, it could potentially seem like it's an echo chamber. Yeah. Um, And that, that could be both. um, It's actually really interesting. I I remember sitting at my house on election night in 2016 with by myself (laughs) and knowing that there were a big group of friends gathered, not very far away, all watching the returns and they, they had, They had voted for one candidate. I had not voted for either of the two candidates, (laughs) but I was watching very, very concerned about what might happen that evening or, or, you know, again, keeping my finger like on the pulse and like, I'm seeing some, seeing some things that I think might be concerning for people that know for sure their person's going to win and spent the night up until the speeches and went to bed thinking, man, I'm really, I'm really glad that I wasn't over there because it could have been really uncomfortable for me. Yeah. But there's nothing good about, I don't think, uh, celebrating a victory with all like, you know, bringing in the other people to say, we're all going to move forward together. Like to, to do things in your little, uh, your, your little party, uh, group. I don't know. Like there's something about that. that's a little gross to me. And I, um, I want to be able to uh, be happy about results or yeah. be sad about results, but to do that with people who believe different things, because right. I think we all generally want the best thing
0: right for yeah. each other yeah.
2: and for this country and for the world. Well, and,
0: and what we know too is that, um, you know, politics matter as much as people want to say that they don't matter um, it matters. It's our shared living together. Mm-hmm. This is how we operate as a, 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 a nation, a people, a community, you know, so whether it's local, whether it's statewide, national, like it matters. And no matter where you fall on the spectrum, you should be learning and investing in the thing, because it matters, mm-hmm. because we all matter because all, we all are human. And I mean, and even on top of that, as one of my uh, favorite people likes likes to mention, I mean, look, we're all space traveling together. Let's like do it the best way we can, yeah. right? Like, let's uh, let's be kind and let's learn and let's be together, even if we can't always agree with each other.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's one of the things I've had a lot of conversations about lately with people on opposing sides. The idea that we aren't all at the same place. Politically, of course. But we're also not all at the same place in terms of our understanding of the world that we live in. Right. So for example, um, (laughs) it's one thing to... So I I like to joke, maybe not so nicely, about like the woke police. Like if you're not 100% woke, you are somehow a, a horrible human being. And I just don't ascribe to that methodology. And the reason is because... I know a lot of people who are there now who weren't there. Right. And they weren't always as woke as they are today. <laughs> so should they have talked the way they talked to people who were just like them two, three years ago? Yeah, I don't think so. I think yeah. I think one of the things that we've lost a lot of in the way we talk to one another is a sense of grace that I don't know everything. You don't know everything. Let's both a- admit we don't know everything. Right. And we can't be fully uh, aware of all the intricacies of a, of a situation. <laughs> now, Charlottesville doesn't require a whole lot of intricacies. seeking. Sure. That's, that's, that's an abhorrent thing. Um, but in terms of, I don't know how to feel about... Um, like Patrick, you and I have had this conversation a couple of times. But, uh, well, no. So we actually had the conversation a couple weeks ago yeah. at a coffee shop about okay. uh, an icon on a, a shirt Oh and yeah. whether or not it was offensive or not. And I like, <laughs> it has stuck with me that we even had the conversation, but right. then I've, I've, I've gone back and thought a lot about is iconography in and of itself pro- uh, hashtag problematic. <laughs> and I'm not sure that it is or isn't, but yeah, I think it's, worth having, I think it's, it's, it's worth definitely worth yeah. having a conversation yeah. about. Um, I, I read a really great piece uh, based on another a podcast I listened to ah. where they talked about using the phrase Dixie and is it racial and it's, and the, yeah. the person who wrote the article had a lot of great back and forth and the very, very end of it, he asks a black woman at, a, uh, at a, an event about. What do you think this means? Right. And she smiled like, and this is, I'm I'm paraphrasing. She smiles and says, all I ever hear about is how we need to get over this thing. Yeah. You guys are the ones who can't get over it. You know how many neighborhoods are named something plantation around here and just goes on this very compelling three or four sentence, uh, uh, speech about the world we live in today is influenced by the things of the past some of those things we probably ought to let go and i i completely agree with that yeah the and, and i understand that there are people who will listen to this and say well hurry up and i go i'm i'm trying my best to get there yeah. let's just show grace to everyone right.
0: else who maybe hasn't heard that well and i yet. mean a great a great a great example a great uh kind of way to think about this is it's like the college it's like the the freshman that goes to college mm-hmm. goes to a class Learn something new, then comes home and says, you all are dumb for thinking this way because I took one class and now I'm wide awake about a thing that I was asleep about just four or five months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you were just there. Have, like you said, have the grace to say, okay, this person, I'm now maybe getting close to letter C, quote unquote. They're at B. I need to, they didn't read the book, they didn't go to the class, they didn't sit in the lecture, they didn't have those conversations that I had late nights in the dorm or in the coffee shop, or whatever my mom and dad and aunts and uncles, they haven't had those experiences. I need to take that back to them and say, "Hey, look at what I've learned. Maybe we need to think differently about this thing." Mm-hmm. Like that's a different conversation than like sitting in and saying, like, "You're an idiot."
2: <laughs> it, it is very different, but there's also a piece of that where, again, this is just me. Um, I live in a kind of metropolis part of the country. Sure. Um, and I, don't, I don't live around like farms and animals and things like that. But um, I, as, as the father of a child yeah. and a married man with a spouse who has needs and needs time, and I can't dedicate as much time as I used to yeah. when I was single and working from coffee shops and things like that, where I could set aside five or 10 minutes to read things that I I just don't have. I mean, there's, we're not creating more time, especially in the days. And so, um, I think it's really important to, to be uh, gracious and think about the person who's asking you questions about a thing. I'm again, this is like, it's just what, what, what are they experiencing? What are their opportunities for growth and, and, uh, support for even that right mm-hmm. trying to imagine a, a child that lives in a more rural area who really wants to fully understand just to to pick a subject the right. root causes of the civil war sure it can be a really hard thing to ask people about if you see confederate flags flying right. in the county or yeah. you, and so hmm. how, how much support do they have for doing their own seeking and you know, do they have access to to good writers, and do they even do they even know anyone who could point them in the right direction? Right, hmm. which is why being that freshman that comes home and is all of a sudden, I mean, I have I have a very very vivid memory of going to see Hotel Rwanda in theaters. Yeah, uh, this would have been oh. probably a Christmas time because it was like Oscar bait. Um, and what coming and interesting I mean, Christmas movie. Well, just it's like Christmas time, <laughs> like when I was home from college, sure, just still sure, sure. living at yeah. home. Yeah. and coming home and. Talking to my parents as though I had just discovered this horrific atrocity and that they had just sat idly on the sidelines. And it's like, what are you doing, mom and dad? And they were like, Wes, it was on TV every night. This was a global story. It's like, well, how could you not act? And it's like, well. (laughs) <laughs> the same way we haven't acted, and and they just like rattled off things. It's not that they were stupid, right? It's not their decision, yeah. to get involved. Yeah. And there's, it's more complex than just there's this yeah. horrible thing occurring. And so again, I just, I, I, I these, <laughs> the, the sad part about these stories is that these are all like young college like punk kids instead of like grown adults, but. <laughs> Keeping that, that mindset We got to keep that mindset. I yeah. haven't always known the things I know today. Right. And to expect everyone around me to be where I am is insane. <laughs> At the very least, I should try to do two things. One, give them some grace for right. where they are. Are they seeking information? If they mm. are, I want to do it in a way that inspires right. good faith. Right. And I want to do it in a way that allows them to ask questions without feeling belittled right. or That's good. condescended because- I was once that person in a sense. I hope that I can take with me that I didn't always know about how to read political polls or I didn't always know (laughs) how to write an email with an action statement that's supposed to get people to do a thing. Right. So, you know,
0: just be be, be gracious. Okay. Speed round. I'm going to do a speed round. Okay. Let's go. Hopefully, well, we'll see how fast they go. Okay. What do people say about you that you don't think is necessarily true about you? Oh, wow. Oh my goodness! Um, I've been
2: called cold-hearted. I've been called cold-hearted. I'm not cold-hearted. Okay, all right. I'm a complete
0: puddle when it comes to my girls. So that's good. Uh, concert. You are you are building a concert bill. There's a headliner. There's a middle act, and there's an opening act. You can choose any band. What's the lineup?
2: Living in and dead, or just living, living- and dead. You can you can go. I mean, it's gonna, so it has to be people I haven't seen. So I think it would be... So Opener? Opener's probably going to be... Um, uh, oh, man. The Pianist. Blind Pianist. Not Ray Charles, but... Who am I talking about? Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, Elton John, Sir Paul. Wow. I haven't seen any of those, and I know they're Bonnaroo people, but mm-hmm. I that would
0: be like the greatest concert of all time. It would be. Who's a person that you haven't thanked yet but you need to thank them oh
2: man probably some of my professors from college
0: they owe uh, they're owed a debt of gratitude yeah that's good and then if you had to live anywhere else in the world besides nashville where would you live that's that's unanswerable
2: uh, i would love to live and like Sort of, kind of going back to the conversation. I would love to live in some places that, like, a Charleston, South Carolina. I would love to spend more time learning about how those places came to be and right. how they have continued to exist and how they have come to terms with the fact that they're there at all and how that comes to be. I'd also like love to just go kick it in Montana and like go fish and hunt and do things that I don't get to do in Nashville. So,
0: uh. oh, okay, one more. What's a meal? that you, that just makes you hype. Like, you're just like, this is always going to be a great meal. Period. Like, what is that? Oh, man. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Do it. Edley's wings and potato chips. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: With their ranch dressing? Oh, man. The Martin's Martin's barbecue wings are better. But the Edley's, uh, some people that might listen to this would know the Ninth Avenue special, which is... Like, probably more than 12 of their wings with a side of chips and some ranch dressing. Does it every time. It's a a wonderful football watching meal. Excellent. Yeah. Wes, thank you. Patrick, thank you for having me on, Patrick. Yes. All right.